Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Let's get into the Word of God. I'm excited to talk about the Word of God today, so let us pray. Jesus, I believe in you. Heavenly Father, I glorify you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. God, I honor your name. There is no greater honor than to speak your word. And so, God, we want to come to you, and we want to hear from you. Jesus, you are the head of this church. You are the great shepherd. You're the pastor, not me. This is your body. Speak through me. Speak to us. I pray each person here would have our ears open to what it is you want to say, and that we would leave here changed and refreshed and encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. When you came in, you should have received a sermon outline that looks something like this. It's a piece of paper, and this is week one of our series. We're going to start a four-part series where we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. All right? Praise God. Now, for some people, some of y'all are excited because you're like, yes, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. That's a great thing. Some of y'all are like, what? Holy Spirit? This could get weird. All right, let's be honest. Sometimes you can talk about the Holy Spirit, and it can get weird. But I'm going to let you in on a little truth that I believe is from the Lord. The Holy Spirit does not make you weird. You are weird with or without the Holy Spirit. All right? So if you're a weirdo, you're going to be a weirdo. If you're a normal person, the Spirit of God in your life is still going to make you a normal person. But he will give you access into things that are, that, that, are, that, are, that are more real than this natural realm. In other words, we live in a natural realm, but God is bigger than this place. God is bigger than this floor. God is bigger than this chair. He's bigger than this whole universe. And, and, and the Spirit of God kind of gives us access to something that is way beyond us. So it is different, and it can be um, supernatural, but it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be spooky. I do not believe in the spooky natural, all right? Some people that, that act like they're spiritual, you're like, wait a second, you're just spooky. But I've met some of the most spiritual people that are very, very natural. And so what I believe and what I love about, about the Word of God is I believe it talks about the, the, the Christians can be naturally supernatural people, that we can be regular people that live regular lives in a regular world. We just have access to our Heavenly Father in heaven. And that we have, for some reason, God has chosen by His grace, and, and, and we are saved, and, and we can say a prayer, and God will listen to us. Like, how remarkable, how remarkable is that, that the God of the universe would listen to you, that you could sit there, and you could bring your request to God, and God would say, you're my son, okay, I got this. You're my daughter, okay, I got this. And so we're going to look into it, and I really want to go through it scripturally. And there's a few points I want to hit on throughout this week. So number one, and I want to prove it, and we're going to start today, is the Holy Spirit has always been the way that God reaches the world. We're going to look at the life of Christ. In fact, if you look ahead on your paper, the mission of Christ was never separate from the mission of the Holy Spirit. It's not like we're adding anything to Jesus. Jesus' whole work was, was, was spirit-centered, and so we're going to talk about that. Number two, during this four-part series, um, the Holy Spirit changes God's people. 
I really believe that. When, when you have, and these don't really go anywhere on your notes, but you, know, you can just remember them, okay? That's what you have a brain for. So, um, but the Holy Spirit changes God's people, and so we're going to talk about that, okay? Now, here's, here's a truth. You are not a spiritual person if you are mean and nasty and bitter and angry and nobody likes you. I don't care how spiritual you look. I don't care how spiritual you sound. But if you do not have the fruit of the Spirit, I don't know what spirit you're dealing with. So the Holy Spirit changes God's people. How many of us here uh, can honestly look at yourself and you say, you know what, I got some things I need to change. I got some things I need to be different. doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Don't get beat down and think I'm saying you're a worm and you're a piece of garbage, but I'm saying don't you want to be your best you? Don't you want to be the best version of you that God can make you? You know, we see on, on, on Facebook or Instagram, people say, like, living my best life, and they take a picture of a steak. I'm like, that's your best life? It's like, I think there's more to life than that. Some people are vegan, and they, they seem pretty happy. I mean, we, we can look at our best life differently. And I, I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. Is it changes God's people. And then the third thing is, that, is once we realize that the Spirit of God wants to re- reach the world, that it's always been God's plan for the Spirit to be a part of what God does to reach the world, the Holy Spirit changes God's people. The last thing is the Holy Spirit empowers God's people. And that's where it takes a little bit of understanding. Because this is the craziest thing that we believe as Christians. We believe as Christians that God sent his one and only son who died on a cross. He covered our, um, paid our debt. His blood covered our sins, that he rose again, that we put our faith in him. But it doesn't stop there. Because if you keep reading in the book, we believe that he sent his spirit to live inside of us. So we really believe, I really believe that if Robert believes in Jesus and has put his faith in Christ and, and has accepted what the cross has done and, and Robert has let his sins been dealt with on the cross and he trusts Jesus fully for his salvation, I believe that this man right here has God's spirit living inside of him. What would your life look like if, if you really lived as if God himself lived inside you? And it's all through the Bible but it's hard to talk about. And because some people have made it spooky, some people just don't even talk about it. Some people try to brush past these passages. They don't even want to get into it because it's, it, 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 it's difficult to understand. So my promise to you is I want to go through these three points over the next four weeks, and I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to reach the world and that God has a plan for this church in this city, and he wants to use you through the Spirit to reach the world. That second point, God wants to change us, and he's gentle. Now, when I say God wants to change you, don't, don't, don't get afraid, because God's good. So when God wants to change you, it's a good thing. And, I, and I'm going to say this now, and I, and I want you to hear this. Some of you have more faith in trials to change you than you do in God's Spirit to change you. Yes, we know trials can change us. But some of you put more faith in God's tr- in trials and, and hardship to change you than the fact that God can supernaturally do something to make you a different man or woman.
I like to say when I talk to my kids, you can learn the easy way or the hard way. And that when they're little, the hard way is all they choose. <laughs> but eventually they get to the point and they're like, let's try the easy way, Daddy. I think we could get this taken care of with a conversation. That's great. And then you know what? Discipline means to teach. The root of the word discipline from Latin means to teach. It does not, go, go look this up, I promise you. So God wants to teach you. When, when we talk about the discipline of the Lord, sometimes it's trials and issues, but the goal is to teach. And we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit is the teacher sent by God to teach us all things. We can learn the easy way or we can learn the hard way. So let's get into some scripture so that you can see that I'm not just making stuff up. All right, so if we turn in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, and yes, we're going to read a big chunk of scripture. I hope you can handle it. You actually chose to show up at church. So um, yeah, we're going to read some Bible today. So if you can read through it, John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, um, right here says, And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to hit pause so you can get the background. The he, the next day in the he saw, that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was like the bridge between the Old and the New Testament. I'm going to put the Old Testament together in a nutshell. Really quickly, God created man. Man sinned. God chose a nation, Israel. He made promises to them. If you will do this, if you will obey me, I will bless you, I will protect you. Israel constantly kept messing up. They constantly kept sinning. The blessings of God could never come to Israel because sin kept getting in the way. They had a system set up. There were two things that always happened in Israel. One was they would do these sacrifices where the blood of an animal would cover the sin. Why? Because the sin was keeping them from the blessings of God because they needed the sin to be atoned for. The other thing that would happen in Israel is God would raise up men and women and anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they would be judges, sometimes they would be prophets, sometimes they would be kings. But God would send these people empowered by the Spirit to call Israel back or lead them into the future place. Now I want you to hear that again. Israel was promised blessings. Sin kept getting in the way. What did God do to take care of sin? There was an animal sacrifice to cover sin, and then there were people called and anointed by the Holy Spirit to warn people or to lead people. Now, to understand that as we go into this. John the Baptist, he looks, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin problem is dealt with in Jesus Christ. We never need another sacrifice. We don't have to butcher a goat. All right? We don't have to butcher a lamb. We're not killing pigeons up here. Imagine if we still did that in church. It would be a whole different ballgame. But the reason we don't do that is because we know that there was one sacrifice that was once and for all that purchased eternal redemption for those who would believe and put their hope in him. So John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, Verse 30, this is he of whom it of I have said after me, um, a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And, and keep moving on in that, in that verse right there. I myself, 
You can go to the next verse. It's okay. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. John the Baptist's whole purpose was be the bridge between the old and the new, the sacrificial system, the system where every once in a while an anointed man or person would come and become a king or a prophet or a judge. John was the bridge. John said, I baptize with water. He took them out to the Jordan and he baptized them with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. Verse 33, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. It's a lot. That was a big paragraph. Some of us have been we, some of us are Twitter-minded. That was way more than 140 characters, so your brain might have went, huh? All right, let me try to make it simple. Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. We got the sin problem dealt with. Old Testament, they did it through sacrifices. This second piece right here, it says, on he who the one who the Spirit descends and remains, it will be this one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. See, the other thing God did in the Old Testament is in order to call people to repentance or to lead people to new ground, he would pick usually one person and anoint one person with the Spirit. But that was only one. What Jesus came to do is to baptize or to immerse every believer in Christ in his Spirit. So imagine if instead of there was one person called by God, and you would read about them, and they'd be prophets, and they would talk to the nation, and they would, they would give the word of the Lord, and they would draw people to God's truth. Imagine if there was a whole nation, a whole group of people immersed in God's spirit. The call for the Christian, I want you to see this, even in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, the call was forgiveness of sins and the filling of the spirit. This is not like we're adding anything new. Because some people, we get the forgiveness of sins part. But this idea that not only are your sins supposed to be forgiven, but that God's plan for you is to be immersed. That's what baptism means. It means immersed. That means like if you drop your phone in the toilet, that was immersed. Now, Jesus is not trying to drop you in a toilet. But that's what immersed means. Have you ever dropped your phone in the toilet? I have a few times. It's terrible. It goes all the way in. That's what immersed means. God wants you to be all the way in his spirit, all the way covered and all the way filled. That was always God's plan. We're really good at the forgiveness part. We're really good at the Lamb of God part. But I wanted you to see that even at the beginning, look at this. It says John chapter 1. Even at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it was always that you would be forgiven and that the Holy Spirit would, you would be immersed in the Holy Spirit. The first point I want to put on there is the Holy Spirit is central to Jesus' purpose and mission. You can't separate the two. They work in conjunction. They are like this. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, he came in the womb of Mary. How was he conceived? By the Holy Spirit. 
when Jesus was raised from the dead and he was in the tomb and his body was rotting and it was beginning to decay, what does the scripture say happened? The Spirit of God raised him from the dead. So I want you to see that the work of the Spirit is really the work of Jesus and Jesus never did anything without the Spirit. They work in union. The next thing I want to say is verse, um, cha- John chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of the water and of the Spirit. It is not enough, and and I don't want to say this in a wrong way, and I don't want to offend people, so if I offend you, sorry. It is not enough for you to say a few magic words. What do I mean by that? Some people have been said, well, if you come and you just say these few words, that, that everything will be okay. Well, yes, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. But when you confess with your mouth and when you believe in your heart, something should happen inside of you. There should be a supernatural born again experience. That was a word that was real popular back back in the day. We don't use it a lot. But there should be something that happens on God's end. And if that has not happened, if you cannot say that your life has been changed and that you have been transformed by God's Spirit, then let's take care of that. Let God know. Like, the whole plan. The whole plan. This is John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is where we get John chapter verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That's who whoever would perish, whoever believes in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, if you believe in me, no longer will you be separated from God, but you will all of a sudden become connected to God, and God's presence, God's spirit will enter your life. We've got too many people trying to play church, but they're powerless because they don't have any spirit in their lives. They don't have any spirit in their lives. I want to keep, keep reading a little bit. Um, right here it says in John chapter 16, verses 17 through 8, it says, And I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. A little backstory, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is telling his disciples that it's good that I leave. Now, I don't know how you think about it, but if I was sitting there with Jesus, and I had seen this man walk on water, And I had seen Jesus open blind eyes. And I had seen Jesus cure leprosy. And then he did that miracle with the loaves and the fishes. I want to stay with him. He tells me, it's your advantage. It's good for you that I leave. I'm going to say, wait a second. That doesn't sound true, Jesus. Because when I'm with you and the boat starts rocking, you can get up and stop it. But he said, no. It's to your advantage. It is better for the Holy... Because what does it say? It says, if I go away, the Holy Spirit... If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. I think Siri's got some answers for us. I don't care if you agree, Siri. That's the Bible. All right? You don't know everything, Siri. No. But right here, Jesus said, when he goes away, he will send them to you, and that it is to your advantage. Here's the problem. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe what Jesus says? I, there's many days I'd much rather have Jesus in my house. I'd ra- I, there's so many days I wish I could walk down and just sit and talk to Jesus and be like, Jesus, this is my situation. Can you multiply my bank account? <laughs> yeah. Or it's raining outside. Could you take care of the rain or, or this or that? And, and, and we believe that it would be so much better if Jesus was present in the physical form. But Jesus said, no. It's better if the Spirit is with you. If you learn to walk with the Spirit. One of the main reasons is that Jesus could only be in one place at one time. There could only be so many. It, it even says in the Scripture that the crowds would press in on Jesus and it would be hard for him to walk through towns. And, and, and he, there's not enough of one physical Jesus to go around. So Jesus had a plan. I will send my spirit. And I want you to know that. I want you to see what it says. Because I don't know that you believe this, but I want to give some of you some hope right here. It says, I will send him to you. And verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict or he will convince the world. Some of you have people you've been praying for for a long time. And you have been wondering, you've been saying, God, do you even see this? Before you even wondered, this was written. That God would send his spirit to convict the world. That the Holy Spirit is out in this world convicting people of their sin, convincing them. Now some people are really good at hardening their hearts. Some people are really good about making, 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 making things wrong and acting like they're right. But God already sent the spirit. And he is actively working in the world to convict the world. The next thing I want you to say is, the Holy Spirit is in the world, is, is working in the world right now. That's not the second point I want you to write. The Holy Spirit is working in the world right now. That should give you some confidence. Here's why you should have confidence. Because when you go up to talk to somebody, you should trust that God has already been preparing the ground. I remember that when I came here to start this church, and I knew nobody, in, and nobody at all in South Carolina save for the wards. Now, I'm going to tell you, Mike Ward is a tall man. Mike Ward is huge. I don't know, what are you, like 7-Eleven or something like that? I don't know. I mean, he, he's, a, he, he's, a big, he's a big man, but he's not scary. I talked to somebody, and they said, Chris, you have to tell people why you're there in South Carolina. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I don't, I mean, I'm not afraid but I just prefer not to talk to people. So I remember I, they said that, and I said, all right, God, uh, whoever asked, if they ask me why I'm here, I'm going to tell them. The very first man who asked me was Rich Williams, all of 6'4 and 400 pounds, can snap my neck, you know, with like one hand. And he looks at me, and I look up at him, and he's like, so what did you move to South Carolina for? I came here to start a church. Oh, really, man? 
Now, if you've ever met Rich, he could be pretty intimidating. Really? Oh, praise God. I've been looking for a place to go. Oh, man, I got people you need to meet. You need to meet, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet my friend named Caleb. If you've ever met Caleb who walks around here, that was the Caleb that he introduced me to. He said, you need to meet him. Come on, I want to introduce you to somebody. He's been looking for a church. We've been talking for a church. But what did I have to do? I had to understand that the Holy Spirit is working in the world right now. And I had to move past my fear and realize God has already prepared things. Some of y'all have been wondering about sharing your faith and wondering about doing things for God. And what is the scripture says? It says they're good works that are prepared beforehand. And I want you to get to a place where where when you go to and you think, man, should I share the gospel? Man, should I invite this person to church? Yes. Holy Spirit's already doing his job. And when I looked at that 6'4 man and I was like, you know, and I'll be honest, I was like, this guy could be real anti-Jesus here. But I just spoke boldly. And God had prepared the soil. And some of us are missing our blessings because you don't realize the Holy Spirit's already at work. And all you got to do is step out in faith and talk to people, invite them to church, share Christ with them, say, hey, we got a hangout coming on the, on the 23rd of this month. We want you to come. 24th of this month, we want you to come and, or come to this concert or come to this small group. Some people, do you know that the research says, and I think this is proof about how the Holy Spirit works, the research says that 40% of people who don't go to church, so let's just say half, is 40, 40, 47%. That's close to half, right? 47% of people who don't go to church would go if someone asked. That means all you got to do, if you want to bring someone with you next week, ask two people. One of them should say yes. Somebody might say no, but, but people are waiting. The Holy Spirit is working. They've got their own problems, their own issues. I can't tell you how many times when we put something on Facebook and we get a message and we got to read it and, um, you know, people are just like, man, I really needed that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's working in their house and they read something that we put online and God uses it. So let's move a little bit more and I want to I lay the foundation because we're, we're going to go deep in this series and I want you to see that the Holy Spirit is all over what God does. Um, John chapter 16, verses uh, 13 through 14. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you believe that? For he will not speak on his own authority, but he, what he hears he will speak, and he will ter- declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14. He, that's the spirit, will glorify me, that's Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What I want you to know about the, the Holy Spirit, the third point is, the Holy Spirit is revealing truth to his followers and glorifying Jesus. Uh, that meant, I want you to understand that. If you are a follower of Christ, God wants you to know truth. Now here's why I want to, don't judge me. I read my Bible every day. I read it multiple times a year. I've read almost every Bible translation that you can find. I love the scripture, but how many cults have started around misusing Bible verses? So I'm not saying the Bible isn't important, but the Bible was written under the inspiration of the Spirit 
and it must be read and studied under the inspiration of the Spirit. So I'm not saying the Bible is not good and not to read your Bible, but what I'm telling you is there's a lot of people that believe a lot of crazy things, and they use the same Bible you have. What they're missing is the spirit of truth that can allow them to make sense of those things and to, 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 to put it all into perspectives in a way that reveals truth and glorifies Jesus. Next thing I want to go to is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. And he has anointed us and, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As a guarantee. The fourth point and the last point is the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that God has given his people. So you make this decision that you're going to believe in Jesus. You make this decision that you're going to accept the cross and that, that you're going to go all in and that you're, you're going to be a follower of Christ. What do you get? What is the guarantee that God gives you that he will see you through this thing? That when times get hard, that he won't leave you. That guarantee is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God. He gives it to you, right? And the way I understand a guarantee to work, like if I was going to go buy your house and I said, you know, we're going to make a deal and I'll put a down payment down, a guarantee of like 10 grand. We go through, we do inspections, it doesn't work, I don't want to pay. You know what happens? I lose my 10 grand, right? I lose my down payment. I want to promise you something. God ain't losing nothing. If God makes a guarantee to you, God's going to see it through. You need to have incredible confidence. Now here, I can't promise you nothing bad will happen in this life. There will be people in this room, you'll have marriage conflict. There may be somebody in this room that you will face some incredible financial difficulty. There might be somebody in this room that gets diagnosed with cancer. There might be somebody in this room that loses a loved one. And I am not speaking negatively, but that's the world we live in. But the guarantee that we have is that the Spirit of God will be with us. And sometimes he's going to perform a miracle. You'll come and you'll get that biopsy, and all of a sudden God will take the cancer away. I believe God can heal. And sometimes he's going to hold your, way all the, your, your hand all the way through a very dark time. But the guarantee is he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. And when you say, God, how do I know you're real? It's because he's sealed you. He's sealed you and given you the Spirit as a guarantee. The main point I'm trying to get across today is that the Holy Spirit has always been part of God's plan. We don't talk about it in church very much. It's not separate from the plan of Christ. The plan of Christ was his blood covers your sin, that you believe in him and you are saved. Then he goes to heaven and he sends the helper, the paraclete, to live in his church. I would like for you just to close your eyes just for a second, and I want you to reflect on yourself. If I was going to make a taco, 
and I put some jalapenos in it, you would expect it to be spicy, right? The evidence of the jalapeno would be your mouth would be on fire. If you bit into that taco and it wasn't spicy, you would probably say, nah, there was nothing in it. There's no spices in it. If I was going to look at your tire on your car, and if there was air in it, I would expect it to be big and full and rubbery and bouncy. It wouldn't be flat. The rim wouldn't be touching the ground. There'd be evidence that there'd be air in it. In your life, the Holy Spirit does things in, God, in your life. It pours out the love of God. Are you a loving person? The Holy Spirit empowers his church to reach people. Are you somebody who reaches people? Look at the evidence in your life. It's not just what you believe in your mind, but what does your life say? Are you someone in whom the Spirit of God dwells? Do people look at you and say, that's a follower of Christ? Because that's God's plan for you. That in you, they would see him. That you would reflect Christ to the world. So we're going to play some music And I want you to reflect for a few moments on your own walk with God. Because we're going to dig into the Spirit of God. Next week, we're going to talk about how the Spirit of God changes us. And then we're going to talk about how the Spirit of God empowers us. And as the band and as the worship team, as they play something, we've got this nice, clean, white carpet up here. And it's just to create a space. You know, we miss sometimes some things in modern culture. Back in the day, they had temples and curtains and, and ornate objects and worship was a big deal. But up here, this carpet, this is your space. If you'd like more of God's spirit in your life, we're going to give you some space to come and pray. If you'd like to draw closer to God, we're creating some space up here for you to come and pray. Maybe once the Spirit of God was, was really strong in your life and you felt connected to Jesus and it's like he's been absent lately, this is a space up here for you to come and pray. And I believe the word of the Lord where he said, if someone asks for the Spirit, he will give it. He's a good father. He's not going to give them a stone or a snake or anything like that. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>